for joining us for the Bureau Briefing. Now, we're going to get you right to the show, but first, I have got to thank two amazing partners who help us bring this show to you. The first is Parallax. You know, Parallax delivers business insights that empower you to forecast with confidence, improve profitability, and employee engagement. Now, this software that runs your operations was built by two people who ran and grew very successful shops. They understand the intricacies. They understand the differences that you deal with that other software companies just don't. They're gonna help you understand the health of your business. They're gonna help you streamline your work and maximize team utilization, revenue, and growth, which means your people are gonna be happier and less likely to bolt. So check them out at getparallax.com. And I've also gotta tell you about our good friends at Punchlist. Now, when you're working on your digital creative project, when you're building that website, you're building that app, whatever it is, and you're trying to get feedback from people, it is a slog, right? You're using email or Zoom or some project management tool. Wouldn't it be nice if you could just kind of point at the screen and leave the feedback? Well, you know what you can, it's called punch list. And yeah, okay, you're pointing with a mouse, calm down. It's magic. <laughs> you can now join the thousands of people using Punchlist to improve their creative feedback and get their projects wrapped up faster for free. That's right, they now have a free forever plan where you get unlimited projects, unlimited comments, and unlimited collaborators. So sign up for your free account today at usepunchlist.com. And now, let's get on with the show. I'm just, I don't know, Gene. Mm-mm. That was not professional. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> yes. To no one. And you should. <laughs> Gene, you know what we're talking about today? No idea. Never do. Client management, kind of. Oh. But yeah, also, I still don't know. Me, are you taking notes? Let me explain it this way. A lot of people are talking about how they can't find enough people to do the work they're getting because they have so many clients. They have so much work. <laughs> well, we just, huh? I guess so much work. It's good to be you. <laughs> going to try jet ski. I'm here to <laughs> yeah. I will have one. <laughs> but, but everybody's like trying to find more people to do the work. Yeah. I think maybe we look at it from a different angle. Mm. What if you had fewer clients? I'm on that. I'm on that trajectory. But you charge them more. Oh, yeah. That's brilliant, right? My bedroom voice. Yeah. What if you had fewer clients, but you charged them more? Man, you sound like my therapist. Yeah? Well, secrets revealed, Gene. You are. I am your therapist. That is a fascinating way to look at business. Well, a lot of people say, Carl... You're not really that good at business, are you? <laughs> and I say no, but people come to me for advice all the, all time. the time. Yes. So I'm not the worst at it. The people who come to me for advice are. Yes. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah. when, you, when you went about uh, getting a new client at period three. When I went about. When you went about. <laughs> when you were a young lad and you mm. went about getting your business. Yes. And the leprechauns brought you your business. Well, that's pretty good. Thank you. I, yeah. I was afraid I wasn't going to be able to stop. 
now you just bust out into that every once in a while. But how did you how did you onboard a new client? Uh, well, I don't do that part of the business, but, um, explains a lot, <laughs> uh, but we have, I mean, a lot of our on- onboarding takes place, uh, as we are in the contract phase, right? So we have, we do two parts. I think we stole a lot of this from some of the stuff you put up to the bureau, but, uh, oh, no, you did. Yeah. <laughs> Basic MSA, like underpinning to everything. And then we have specific, like things. And we go through a lot of that stuff then in terms of uh, more, not, not like going line by line to the contract, but more about expectations on both sides. And, you know, for the most part, that's it. I mean, we, we you know, we build websites and, and ain't that complicated, but. Um, oh, but it is my friend. <laughs> it's not just a website. Not the kind I build. Website B. Will it be on the beach or will it be downtown? <laughs> we used to use those analogies. Like, well, it's a lot like buying a house. You know, I yeah. can't really say how much it'll cost. Is it three stories or is it a little shack? Because I'm feeling shack budget here. I always do the, uh, you're going to redo your kitchen. Like I can do it yeah. for three grand or I can do it for a hundred grand. How, what kind of kitchen do you want? And once we start building it, we yeah. have there's problems with the plumbing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are, <laughs> what are we, what are we doing? Okay. So when you, when you bring a new client in, this is, this is kind of critical because you're setting the expectations for what it's going to be like to work with you. And I'm going to get to the part where you fire them in just a minute. Mm. It's not like it's well, this was kind of the process. We meet them. We like them. We start to work with them. We take their we money, hate them. fire them. <laughs> yeah. Just wake uh, up what? and going, I don't want to do barbecue websites anymore. Mm-mm. No, I'm done. There's only so much tequila I can drink in a trade out. <laughs> Well, I have some interesting stories. Probably wasn't true at the time. Yeah. But so so you go about with it with a client coming on, you're kind of just going through the expectations. Right. Are you talking through any kind of concerns about working with each other or um, like possible challenges you could face down the road? Yes, we'll we'll go over that stuff. Um you know, because a lot I think of times if you did it now it would be good because people are listening. <laughs> so. Um a lot of times, you know, they'll have uh demands that they think that they want to impose. Right. And then that's a good time to sort of work through some of that stuff. I mean, a lot of times, you know, like, like we just had a client we brought online and they're like, um, I want to do this, but I want to work with these guys to do this part. We're like, so why, you know, like not that we don't, you can't work with them, but like, why, what do they bring to the table? Um, Mm -hmm. why did you choose them? And then we kind of break it apart a little bit and it turns out that they're not really the best fit. Yeah, and they see that, and then you know it's like, well, here's, it's just an opportunity to, because you haven't started anything, right? Everything's right. equal, you know. It's, it's like the ne- most important. Like, I, I think it's the yeah. most important part of the relationship, right? Well, it's like negotiating, right? If if you are if you're in a position where you can't walk away, you, you should probably not be. You're not negotiating, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. Dependent. <laughs> yeah. So you know yeah, you want to get that. Know how to walk away? You got to get through that stuff early on, um, and. You know, before you start working, I think it sets the tone to be able to or to feel free enough to ask questions, you know? Yeah, I think so. And, I, think also- I don't think I don't think there's a lot that's off limits in terms of, you know, what the client wants to accomplish and the reasoning behind what they're doing, you know? Well, this is it, right? When you start that conversation and when and, and forget the whole. Well, I mean, I guess you still have to think through the whole 
What is onboarding? When you're talking with people about the project and the costs mm -hmm. and all those types of things, even though they haven't signed an agreement or given you a deposit or done anything, all of this is onboarding. From really the, the first point of contact, you're setting an expectation of who you are, who your company is, what it's going to be like to work mm -hmm. together, just in the tone of the messages. That's right. Right. And you you know this. When you, when you work with people, I don't care if it's a mechanic or a doctor or a web shop, their tone gives away what it's going to be like to work with them. Yep. You could end up getting a doctor who really knows their stuff, but she's super curt and isn't there to make friends. <laughs> she is there to fix the problem or help you, you know, with whatever health challenges you might have. And then you may also have a doctor who is not necessarily as good, <laughs> but she's really nice. <laughs> right. 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 And she's like, she's like, so tell me a little bit about like what you do. You know, maybe she actually gets to know you a little better. And even though one is much more skilled, the other's the one that you kind of want to work with. Mm -hmm. Right. I like that. I think it works with shops too. Well, you it's know, I was going to say, you, you were talking about onboarding and stuff and, I just I read so many like process documents and people talk about their process and how they work and and it's like you can make it way too complicated mm -hmm. and the client can be like I've I've been there I mean we used to want to have this all intricate process and stuff when we did a lot of work through agencies they always wanted to like the agencies wanted to sell the process right and it always felt, it always felt so complicated it's like you're fatiguing this person just talking about all the shit that they have to do before we haven't done anything yet you know and i think it's the same way like you, you can't underestimate the value of being um i don't want to say fun but like but kind of fun and nice and easy to work with well comfortable that's what even, they want even if not fun um at least comfortable yeah. right you don't, yeah. you don't get worried or nervous or anxious or those sorts of things and see this is where we're getting to that firing a client part well, I like well, that. Let me, I want to throw this in there too, that, that I've been in meetings where um, I'm not, I'm not the smartest guy in the room 90% of the time, but I can feel the client is like intimidated by my knowledge. Not that I know anything, but because they know so little about like the web and, you know, search engines and all the shit that, you know, we kind of play in. Um, and they're just like scared to ask questions and stuff. And that's, and and I've I've been in the room where I felt like other people were kind of taking a little advantage of that. Um, okay. And I think it's important to if if you want to have I mean you mentioned keeping the same clients and charging them more. I think in order to get there you have to be super comfortable with each other and, and they have to not feel embarrassed to be like, what is that thing? You know, and you're like, that's like the building blocks of the internet. Like, why don't you know that? You know. Oh my God, the face you just made. Folks, watch the video. Gene is making faces and it is, it's pretty glorious. But you've been there. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I did, I, for a second I thought you were going to say, so make sure that all your clients are really dumb about the internet because then you can take advantage. Oh, that's not what you were saying. <laughs> no, I've totally been there. And I mean, we actually had somebody call us once who asked us, and this was obviously, it was a while ago because we were talking about web 2.0. And we're already on to 3.7. So he called and said, you know, I need a website built in Web 2.0. And I said, well, 
we're building stuff in 2.3 right now. So it would be hard to go back. 2.3. Right. Wanted, and he was like, oh yeah, whatever the news is. And I was like, sir, <laughs> somebody's going to take advantage of you. It, it, it's kind of a, just what tools you're using. It, it's more of a philosophy than it is an actual right. type of software. That yeah. I, I need me some of that CSS. Exactly. Right. And, and so I went to the CSS Zen garden. Well, I've had, I had a client, this was, this is not recent, but they were like, um, can you write this in SASS? I was like, <laughs> what? We, we've heard it's good if it's a SAS product. Yeah. So we want to make sure our product is built in SAS. And there's a lot of SAS. Let's be honest. Mm. I'm saying mm. that was horrible. Um, so <laughs> what we're talking about right now with bringing clients in, I think it's really important because you remember, I guess it was a website, Clients from Hell. Yes. Like they would do that. I still remember, I actually, um, God, this was a while ago, but I just posted a little rebuttal that was like, you know, if all your clients are from hell, there's only one person letting them in the door. Mm, out. <laughs> it's you. Learn the triggers. Don't let bad clients in. And you know what? Yeah. And the thing is, this gets back to Kelly Goto. Um, actually, Punchlist has a, an onboarding article that we, I was just reading today that we'll probably hit on a little bit. But this idea that they're good clients and bad clients, I think, sure, there's some humans that you're not going to want to work with, and you should be able to identify them pretty quick. But then a majority of clients are kind of neutral coming in. It's their yeah. interactions with us that drive them to the good side or the bad side. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's it, right? Pretty much. Yeah. Like, I'm looking, I'm hitting through some of the article, um, for some of the stuff. I don't know where you wanted to start through it. Uh, well, for just a second, I want to talk about firing clients. Oh, because, and then we can, we can circle back to onboarding because I think, well, let me, yeah, you say, clients. you say bad clients or the wrong clients uh -huh. and like, or you're immediately in firing clients, you immediately think of like problems. Well, it triggers you, right? Yeah. You, you project something from another client on this new client. And that's the problem. You you know, it's it's like if somebody – I got bit by a dog when I was a little kid, right? German Shepherd attacked me. Hmm. And I was always skittish around German Shepherds <laughs> because of what had happened. Now, I, I have no problem with them now. Understandably. I didn't, I didn't project that on other dogs. I didn't – but any other German Shepherd, Yeah. So I think you can look at that with clients as well. If you have a client that just absolutely was horrible, took advantage of you, maybe you just, maybe you did something, whatever, but it's just really bad and the relationship ended really bad. You're going to project certain things on other clean slate clients, people you've mm -hmm. never worked with before. Yep. And, and this is why I think when we finally got to this point that we had fired too many clients at Engine. Um, I think we started realizing that we were really quick on the draw before something got too bad. We kind of wanted to just be done with it. We had way too much work. And so we were like looking for who's the biggest pain in the ass. Um, and it sounds horrible, but it was, I mean, that time in the early two thousands. Yeah. So much work. So many people thought they wanted stuff, but they didn't know what they wanted. And we didn't know how to onboard a client. So we ended up with a lot of situations where some client, if we were working with an agency, they would make a promise that wasn't real. 
right? Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh man, I did a lot know, of that early on. Fuck. A completely searchable flash site, like back in the day, this type of stuff. And so those would be the ones where we would just like put all the files on a disc, have a meeting, and just say, "Hey, we're done." And they would be like, why? It was like, because you just told the state of Florida that we were going to build a fully accessible flash site for the budget of an HTML site. And these are just not things that are real. So you can continue with that. (laughs) We are not going to. Or somebody would, um, and we we did get a little quick on the trigger, but then sometimes it would be, if somebody was disrespectful, like if a client was Mm -hmm. disrespectful in a meeting, that was like, you don't cross that line. Yeah. Um. We would have what's, situations. What is, disres- what is disrespectful for, to you? What's a memory you have? Um, the, the biggest one. I would say the biggest one actually. I I remember the situation. I wasn't on the call, but it was a call with a really well known um, group. Mm. It sells cookies, but not online. Gene, hmm. Huh. You have to buy these at certain mm. times of the year. Mm. Um, like you know, mafia. Yes, we know who you're talking I'm about. Just, I'm just saying it yep. could be, you know, could be. Um, so they basically told uh, they they made one of my favorite people cry. It was one of our account executives, and it was basically because she was trying to do the right thing. She was trying to make sure that the work that was being done was being done properly. Um the client was changing goals and things three months into the project, which was going to just unravel so much stuff. And the client literally said, <laughs> I, I remember this. I wasn't there, but I remember this to be like pretty accurate. I don't give a fuck what I said. I don't give a fuck what anybody else on my team said. This is what we're doing now. If what? you have a that, then you better take a look at the agreement. Which was the most hollow threat. I knew that agreement super well. <laughs> it was not gonna go. So yeah, so we we ended up walking. But anytime you you attack an individual, you can get upset. Like clients can get upset. That's totally right. fine. It depends. Yeah, it's always fine. If you if you yell, yeah. That's not being upset. No, that's, that's just toxic totally, shit. Yeah. Yeah. If you tell somebody that they have to do something that, I mean, you know what I mean? Like that, like what just happened. Yep. Um, so yeah, I think crossing the line, we know it. It's when you treat another human without respect, that kind of crosses the line. Yeah. Yeah. Or you're a day late paying. Then we're just, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. If you don't pay the bills. Yeah. I had a, um, it's, a, it's more than one memory, but one of the things that kind of triggers me is, and I'm sure you've gotten this, you'll be in the meeting with someone and you're getting that kind of like, you know, D bag vibe or whatever. And you're just like, and they go, you know, I could do this if I had the time. Right. I'm just, you're just here to like, cause I don't have time to do it. And you're like, okay, good luck with that. <laughs> like yeah. to this day, I don't care how much it is. I'll be like, okay, bye. Don't have time for this shit. Well, yeah. I mean, that's, that's it. When you that's have ridiculous, when you have somebody who thinks they've understood it, I, I mean, <laughs> I went to take, my car uh, to get like 50,000 mile service, whatever. And I take it down the street and I'm waiting. Um, One of the mechanics comes in and starts talking to the manager. I'm standing right there. This guy just does not care. And I'm actually kind of really appreciate that he did. I thanked him later. I said, thank you for saying that. I never knew. 
So some guy brings in like a, a high-end Mercedes or something. And um, they ask, he asked them to run the diagnostics on it. And so, so the guy goes, so I'm starting to run the diagnostics. And this jackass opens up his laptop and starts Googling the symptoms of his car. And then starts telling me what the most common causes are for different things. And so do I have to run the diagnostics or can I just fix the really expensive thing he told me it was? Right. <laughs> and I was like, so that guy on the laptop thinks he's saving money, but he just told the mechanic about a really expensive procedure. Yeah. yeah. It may not need to happen. Mm, well, and we're going to do that too. That mechanic went to his manager and said, can I stick this guy? <laughs> That's and, what happened. But that, but how often, I mean, those yeah. kind of things can happen with us too. I, I think the main thing when it comes to this part of clients not being good, first of all, I think we, we take them down the wrong path. I think we don't establish enough trust. We don't do what's necessary in that early phases to make them feel comfortable that they don't have to drive. And then if they do right. try to drive, they obviously don't know how. Right. And then right. we get rigged out because they're making us do things that are going to be bad for the project mm -hmm. or teams getting frustrated because they're having to explain things a whole bunch or mm -hmm. whatever. So, but then when you do go through and fire them, I think that the thing that can be tricky is when I worked at, um, at Hus Jennings at the advertising agency, we worked with a, a huge multinational and they made up probably about a third of the company's, um, revenue, but they made up about 90% of the company's pain. <laughs> and they also were the, the number one complained thing, right? In the company right. with this company. And then one day they called my boss a bitch. Oh, shit. So we don't care what that bitch thinks. And I just said, you know what? Um, you can't do this. I got to go. I'm going to call you right back. And I hung up and I, I walked into Melanie's office and I said, Hey, um, they just, they just called you a bitch. Can I fire them? And she was like, they make up a third of our revenue. No. I said, yeah, that wasn't the question. Can I fire them? She goes, yeah, I'm not their bitch. Oh. Said, okay. So I went back and I remember, I remember picking up the phone, calling them and saying, Hey, um, obviously there'll be a lot of conversations that we need to have, but we are, uh, no longer your agency of record. Yeah. We are uh, basically quitting. Um, we just, we're not going to work this way. Yeah. And they were like, what, just because of one thing. And I was like, oh, it's, yes. yeah, I appreciate that. You're going to want to talk about it now, but, but it's done. Yeah. That next agency wide meeting where we've got like 30, I think there were 35 or 40 people, um, all in the same room. And. I shared that we had had a situation and everybody was like, Oh God, here we go again. And I said, so, um, I asked for permission and I fired them. Oh, and they were and like, the room erupted. Like you could not believe the pure joy in every face, except for the accountant and the CFO. Yeah. Everybody else was like over the moon. And you know what? we started doing better work for the other clients because we were in a better place. So it's like, mm -hmm. there's so many things. It's like, it can be really scary. There's so many times where firing a client, if it's the, the wrong client, which would be the right client, um, it creates this mm -hmm. amazing wave of appreciation. 
you know, and that one went really far. Like there were so many late nights, so many. Oh, yeah, that's the worst. Usuals, like they would always pay. And that was the. Yeah, but. That was the slippery slope. Yep. It, you get too it, connected too. Yeah. Big, a big client can be bad, right? You've mm -hmm. got to watch that, uh, where all the money's coming in from not make sure it's not one that's like a third of your business. That's bad. Yeah. But then you try to fix that gene and it's just not fixable. Sometimes. Unless you can find another big client and that, and then what are you going to do otherwise? Tell the big client you got to slow down. They don't like that. No, they're not. Yeah. They, so, they don't want to slow down. Let's, let's talk onboarding because I think the, the biggest thing is you shouldn't get to that point. Right now, sometimes if you've got like what happened to us with that big client, they switched who was in charge. We had that happen when engine was working at Facebook and we were doing a bunch of Facebook stuff and it was going great. And then they changed to somebody who was an outside consultant to manage it. And suddenly it became evident that they had other plans and we were not part of them. Um, but and we did I mean, we fired Facebook. That was kind of fun to say. Of course, they were yeah. going to. We, we, it was, it was definitely a split second win. It was a photo finish of who quit first before we were fired. Um, but I think there is something about that. Like you see the big name or you see the money and you're like, Oh, but I want to be able to say this newsflash. You can still say it, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's not that big of a deal, but let's talk about onboarding because if you bring in the right clients, like you should be able to identify clients that aren't a fit pretty quick. And depending on your situation, like if you're not, if you don't have reserves, you may have to take something, but you've got to be clear right. with the team. This is not our client. Yeah. It's not who we want to work with. This is who we need to work with so we can keep finding our clients. Yeah. Right. They're, they're just going to keep allowing us to make payroll. Yeah. We're talking best case scenario here. Yeah. So when you bring in a new client, there are a few things we always did. And I think one of the most important things is establishing trust right? Yeah. And this is um, something a lot of people will talk about, but we don't talk about how to establish trust. I think it starts by being an equal. Mm -hmm. I think you can't, you're not going to have trust if you're constantly chasing a client. If you're constantly trying to get, to get them to do something or to mm -hmm. like something or to whatever, because then you're, you're chasing them, you're pushing them. Um, I think the best thing you can do is talk about what the opportunity is, if it would be a fit for you, for your team, um, why it would be beneficial for the client, or maybe why it wouldn't, right? Share the things that you think might not be perfect about you working with the client. Because you know what? That's honesty. Mm -hmm. Honesty establishes truth, establishes trust. So that that was always one of the first things I would do is start asking them first of all about past relationships with agencies, right? The X question, who did right. you use to work with? Well, that's oh. a huge red flag before you kind of get dug in there, which is like, if they approach you with like, well, we were working with these other guys who were total jerks and we need you to help. We need your help. And you're like, budget's gone and we got to use the company built. Yeah. No, I don't there's, have to help. There's two sides of that story. Yeah. There are a lot of, uh, people who are willing to help you. They're still in high school, a lot of them. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> from what I understand from other clients, they're really good. They don't so, like you. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're right, though. It, it's anytime somebody comes in with that, that is, you know what? That's a parade, man. That's yeah. so many red flags. Just go ahead and strike up a band because. You got to weigh that baggage, man. You got to figure out what, what they're carrying. 
And that's where the X question is so great, where you say, tell me about the last shop you worked with, mm-hmm. the last team you worked with. And then they they will tell you exactly what happened, why they're not working with them anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't think the reason is reasonable, if you don't think that what, well, you know what, they kept asking us to be on time and to pay mm-hmm. the invoices, that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, or if they say, well, they wanted to charge us more because we were two weeks late on content. Now they won't say it necessarily that directly, but if they say things and you're like, well, that would be an issue Mm -hmm. versus, Oh, I can't believe they would do that. Yeah. You don't have to realize up front, if you're bringing that, if if they acted that way before they're going to act that way. So how much of the onboarding takes place via the biz dev versus the actual team that will be working on the stuff in your opinion, in a best case scenario? I think the whole process is going to be the onboarding, right? Because from the initial contact, there are commitments being made, right? And that that's mm-hmm. onboarding. So, and that commitment could be, hey, we'll take a look and get back to you. Right. Right. And if you start with little wins, like if BizDev says, hey, we're going to take a look and, at, and get you any questions we have by Friday, and then you get them those questions by Friday, you've established a tiny little drop of trust. Yep. You said you were going to do something, you did it. And if you do a good job at it, right, if those questions were really insightful or probing or whatever, then they're like, oh, wow. Yeah. These people are different than the other people we talked yeah. to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Other people are going to send a number, <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And if, if that's the other thing in establishing trust, I think, is just saying we're not at a point where we can give you a cost. If what you need is a cost right away, you're going to want to work with somebody else. But also we would ask that you be very careful. This is really interesting. I was without knowing what they're doing. I was just in a position where uh, we we got a we got a new client on board. We're we're gonna we're gonna handle like the design and conceptual part, and we're gonna then manage uh, through them like their teams that they that they wanted to set up to um, build the thing out. And I was on the other side of interviewing and talking to some uh, development shops, and it was very because they didn't know you know they didn't know who I was like. I'm just another, you know, I'm another client, right? Reaching out to them, um, representing this client. So they think I'm just part of the client. They don't know that I'm, you know, technically I'm running my own shop for 20 years and I know what the hell they're talking about. But like the difference in how they approach responding to me was very insightful for my own, like how we talk to clients. Cause you're right. One, one group was just like 20 grand. I was like 20 grand for what you don't like, I just told you a concept over a quick phone call. Like, how the hell are you giving me a price? And I'm like, I know this is going to be way more than 20 grand, you know? And another group was asking great questions, you know? And I was like, I like these guys. They're, they're like, they're trying to find out what the hell we're building, you know? And then one yeah. shop was obviously like, well, we're just going to offshore the whole thing anyway. So whatever you want, you know, we're like 12 bucks an hour. It was like, that's not going to work, you know? <laughs> but, but it was, it was insightful. Like, you know, you could tell the little more maturity you know, maybe, maybe that's something to think about. Just like you're talking about building little wins, like try to engineer those, those pieces, parts into your process, your biz dev process. I think it's genius. I think, I mean, I think that works really well because again, you want, you want to be the expert, but you want to be honest. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be the expert at all costs. You want to be somebody who's experienced, right? I, the word expert, I know experience expert, it's all that same root, but mm. expert feels gross to me, right? Um, 
but being the person who has a lot of experience is great. And I've shared before how when when we were in an initial kickoff meeting, we would go around the room and eat, everybody from the engine side would say how many projects they'd worked on before, because that was level setting the table. So it'd be like, my name's Carl. Uh, I will be in charge of high level strategy for the project. And I have worked on 172 web projects. Um, this would be the 173rd, right? Wow. And then a, a client hears that and they're, they're like, like, whoa. Oh, yeah. And then when it comes around to them, they're like, and this will be my third web project. And, and they realized that even though they felt really like they knew how to build this, this is their third one. Mm -hmm. Then they hear 174 right? Or they hear Lori say 63, or they hear whatever, it's going around the table. And we're not all obviously the same level of experience. But um, that was a level setting thing that I think is really important. One of the things Punchlist put in the article they have is this idea of like an email series, an email mm -hmm. sequence to welcome clients. I think this is great. It, it reminds me of something that came up in an operations camp years ago, where somebody was talking about um, employee handbooks and how important they were in employee onboarding. And I don't remember where it happened at the table, but somebody just said, we need a client handbook. Hmm. Why, is, why is it we don't have a handbook for clients? You know, way back in the day, Engine had one, but this was a different idea. Ours was all about frequent mistakes that get made during a project, mm -hmm. how to recover if we end up going over budget, you know, these types of things that would just explain kind of what we had seen that had gone wrong before. What they were talking about was absolutely a, who do you get in touch with for this? And what normally happens in these situations? But it was much more of a handbook. Hmm. There was a welcome handbook. Ours was more of a ways to avoid pitfalls and traps, <laughs> right? Hey, Which mean both have value, I think. But this idea of the welcome email series and yeah. I'm just, I'm going to go through this just real quick. Um, you welcome them, first of all, right? Hmm. I, I think it depends too. Most of us are doing remote work now, but this idea and having the whole team on it, and maybe they didn't say this, but maybe you even have the team like each have a little something in the email, um, you know, super excited, have always loved working in this type of environment, love the work that y'all do, Gene, mm -hmm. right? A little love letter. Why not have that welcome, you know, maybe not over the top, but just something that gets them feeling good. Um, and then also reaffirm their decision, right? There's a good chance they've made a hundred, 200, half million dollar decision with you. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, make them feel good about that. Meeting the team, like doing a little team call outs in these emails, but things that it's just not all at once. Let yeah. it be just something that's kind of coming through. Um, but the things they're talking through here, I think also it could be emails. It can also be part of what you do in those kickoffs, like communication preferences. How often do you want us to be in touch? What level mm -hmm. of thing would you rather have be a phone call versus an email? Um, but make sure you're working through all of that. And, uh, yeah, it's a good I mean, just this idea of a welcome email series. I mean, we kind of do that with members at the Bureau. Mm -hmm. We're still refining it, but I we, think that's a great idea. We 100% do this at the gym. Like every, like there's an entire, it was like five emails that they get from the moment they hit, you know, purchase. Once they, we put their shit in the system and they, hmm. they go, you know, sign the little waiver and they go, um, they start getting emails like every other day 
uh, just it's like, you know, welcome. Here's your coaches. Here's the person at this time. Here's what we expect you to do. You know, don't trash the bathroom, all that kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> That's in our client emails too. Yeah, it, it should be. It depends on your client. Um, oh my God. But yeah, it's all that stuff. In there. I don't know what's going on. Mm -hmm. What like, because there's like, like, you know, they're generally speaking a little nervous about coming into a gym. And I would think that there's a good uh, analog there to your clients working with you. They're probably a little nervous, especially if they're there representing their boss to make sure this thing gets done and their boss is spending half a million dollars, $200,000. Um, they're going to be a little, they're going to be a little like, I'm going to get in trouble if this shit doesn't work, you know? I think that's, and that's one of those things you need to understand before you hire that client or before you hire that client, before they, before you accept them well, hiring you. Because if what you know, and we used to call those must win versus checklist projects, mm -hmm. right? And if somebody's doing this because their boss told them, that's a checklist project. They have to check this off their list and they are not going to worry as much about the effectiveness of the work as they are being able to check off that it was done on time and on budget. Mm -hmm. That's going to be a tough client to work with. Now you may have to, this may be where you are in the, the pecking order as you're right. getting started, or, you know, maybe just the niche that you have. But if you aren't working with the person whose livelihood is at stake in the sense of if the company does well, or if the, the project does well or not, if it's not a must win for them, like when you're first talking to them, one of the questions we'd always say is, what happens if this project's a failure? You're right. You know, what happens? And if they say, well, then, you know, we've got to rethink our whole line of business. Yeah. We've got to, you know, and you can, you can feel it. I literally then, explode. Then let's make sure it's not. Yeah. Right? But still you need to understand what is at stake on their side? Because otherwise you'll never be able to have the empathy to understand what are they going through? Or just what simply match their communication level, right? Simply match their tone, match their, mental state right yeah if they're we've had clients that it's obvious they're risking risking it all on this thing we're building you know and you're like you you gotta match their uh intensity maybe that's a good word you know because yeah. if, if they're risking everything and you're just like me i'll give that to you whenever i want that's well, exactly right that's that, that our road trust right away because yeah. you don't understand the the importance yeah they're going to be carrying anxiety and you're just like me. And that's the thing. We used to say that um, if somebody was coming in and you could tell this project wasn't important and it, uh, right. also in the context of us having plenty of work and reserves, um, then I would quickly say, you know, yeah. maybe you should find a hungrier shop or a younger shop that can help you out with this because it feels like you just need to get it done. And that's not how we're set up. Right. Um, but if you get a project that's super important, please come back to us because those are the projects we love to work on. Mm -hmm. um, and you would occasionally hear somebody say, well, this project was really important. So we wanted to come back. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that's, that's critical. I know we're like, we're, we're coming up, we're rocking through this episode, man. It's good shit. We're going to have to keep going. Um, well, I know we, I know we have to, to wrap this up. And I just, I think there's something to having fewer clients. I think so too. And if, if you have fewer clients, you have a smaller team. And I know that it's always, you know, grow or die, but maybe there are ways we can grow margins without growing headcount. 
and headcount sounds disgusting. Why did I say that? <laughs> Without sizes. The question is, do you have the bandwidth to grow that headcount? Ah, if I pivot in my synergistic ways. Uh, yeah. Careful. Geez, that was horrible. I, I almost had it. I'm going to come back to that one. Um, no, I would just, I would say, think about who are the clients that you've had around forever that you really like, but are just not a fit. It may be time to work through some legacy clients and find them somebody who can work with them better and not replace them with something else. Yeah. You know, again, theater major, but I think maybe you don't always need that next client if it feels like they're kind of rough or the old clients who don't know what you do anymore. But well, you it's, it's, it's also a business alignment thing, I think, right? Um, I spent the first 10, 12 years of running my shop always focused on finding the next project. Oh, yeah. Right. We're just got that one done. What's the next project? Got that one done. What's the next project? And, you know, I always looked at these agencies who were like trying to lock down a client for like the next 10 years, you know, and I'm like, that's agency bullshit. Yeah, but, that's the whole make sure I've, you get the handcuffs on them. It is, but I've I've sort of we we've adopted this mindset of like let's get some quality clients that we don't mind working with for the next 10 years. And we've been we've been actively working on that for the past, you know, 5 7 years and it's really made all the difference in terms of our stress level, our, you know, turnover projects level, like it it just feels good. Um yeah. but but again, I think it's not as easy to just be like, hey, you know, go down a list, check which clients you want to keep, which ones you don't, pitch them. There you go. You know, it's, honestly, it's, a, it's an entire business alignment thing, I think. I think you're right. But I also think that, you know, within five seconds of looking at a name. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, you've been going through this for a while. So everybody listening, like, look through your client list. Mm -hmm. Or just, just look through your flinch. One of them makes you flinch. You know or what? Just look through your emails one week and be like, mm, I'm not answering that one. That's yeah, the exactly. That or the missed call or the whatever. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. You know it in your gut if it's a bad relationship. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, and, and let that be something you use as you're looking at the new ones that come in, too. Mm -hmm. It's just life, Gene. It's always just life, Carl. It's life. It is, man. We'll keep talking about this on the next episode, maybe. Maybe. I if know. you're lucky. And I am. Or maybe we'll let you go. We'll see. Dang, you are sad. <laughs> you are S A S S Y. I am. Ooh, I like it. All right. What? What do you? Any hot takes, or was that it? Ah, hot takes. Hot. You takes. know what? Don't work with clients you don't like. You're gonna have to work with them. That didn't work. Yeah, I get what you're trying to say, though. Don't I'm, don't I mean, take on projects with. You know what? The no asshole rule applies to clients too. Boom. Mm -hmm. Right, drop them out. Done. Next time, <laughs> folks. See you, everybody.